welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of McCann and the State Hospitals Board for Scotland. The citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 31. And in this particular case, Mr McCann had been convicted of a number of criminal offences, but given that he has a mental disorder, instead of going to prison he was sent to the State Hospital at Carstairs in Scotland. In late 2011, the State Hospital Board in Scotland put a complete smoking ban into effect, after a previous partial ban had been difficult to implement. The ban acted not only prohibit smoking for detained patients, but also made it against the rules to possess tobacco across the grounds on the state hospital, including for home visits as well. These rules also extended to visitors, and in order to enforce the ban, there were procedures that were established to search patients and visitors alike for tobacco. McCann decided to challenge the ban in relation to detainees as well as the wider ban on possession of tobacco. He also took the State Hospitals Board to court over this power of search and confiscation. The challenges were based on three grounds that are worth covering in detail before we actually move on to the Supreme Court's decision in this case. In the first instance, McCann based his case on the law that regulates mental health care in Scotland, in particular Section 1 of the Mental Health, Care and Treatment Scotland Act 2003, which states that the hospital's duty must be exercised in a way that involves the minimum interference with a patient's liberty, as is necessary. Beyond this, McCann also made reference to the Mental Health, Safety and Security Scotland Regulations 2005, that does allow for the prohibition and removal of certain items for specified patients, but states that when this happens the patient must be informed and records must be kept. In response to this, the State Hospitals Board argues that the legal basis for the ban is the power of management under Section 102 of the National Health Service Scotland Act 1978, and therefore the principle espoused under Section 1 of the 2003 Act does not apply in this particular case. Moving on, and the second legal ground for McCann's challenge comes via human rights law, and more specifically Article 8 and the right to a private life. Finally, in conjunction with this, he argues that the ban treats him in a discriminatory manner compared to other people in prison, patients in other hospitals, and members of the public at liberty, and therefore is also a breach of Article 14 of the European Convention on Human Rights. So what happened when the case actually got to the Supreme Court then? Well, they went through these arguments in turn and began by noting that while it is true that the ban itself falls under the 1978 Act, as per the board's arguments, the full prohibition on possession of tobacco, as well as the powers to search for and confiscate the same products, do fall within the scope of the 2003 Act and the 2005 regulations, because they do directly affect an individual's autonomy. In other words, this means that under Section 1.4 of the Act, there is an obligation to act in a way that minimises the infringement on liberty, and the Board failed to take this into account. Furthermore, the failure to inform the patient and keep a record of searches means that the ban on possessing tobacco and the associated powers are not legal and must be annulled. Secondly, the ban does also touch on McCann's right to a private life, 
Although the detention does represent a certain legitimate restraint on a patient's private life, there is still a residual autonomy that should be protected. The aforementioned failure to consider Section 1.4 of the 2003 Act, as well as the 2005 regulations, means that the decision cannot be said to be in accordance with the law. While this does sound like a win for McCann on this ground, we have to fully understand what the court is saying here. It's not that a comprehensive smoking ban is unlawful in itself, or even disproportionate in relation to Article 8, but rather the board's failure to abide by the relevant domestic law creates an infringement of McCann's right to a private life. The final point that the Supreme Court made was that there was no discrimination under Article 14 when comparing McCann to any of the other groups that he described. Soon all NHS patients in Scotland and also all prisoners will be affected by the ban as the government continues to extend the policy, and so the discrimination is more one of timing than anything else. It is also not useful to compare McCann's situation with a member of the public who is at complete liberty, because the circumstances are so distinct and therefore the Article 14 challenge fails there as well. Overall, it is important that the courts continue to treat these cases with respect as the law develops in relation to mental health care, and in particular those who are detained and suffer from a mental illness. Section 1 of the 2003 Act contains an important principle by stating that the autonomy of any given patient must be preserved to the greatest extent possible, and so for the State Hospitals Board to ignore this when implementing a policy is more than a breach of relevant domestic law, as was stated by the Supreme Court, but is also a breach of a fundamental principle when dealing with all patients across the NHS. After all, a right to privacy is important to everyone, including private citizens like me and you going about our daily lives, but it is doubly important to those who are especially prone to state scrutiny, such as patients and prisoners. As Lord Hodge notes in the judgment, it is to be expected that there will have to be some curtailment as to privacy in these circumstances, but that is not an excuse for a state body to impinge on autonomy in a way that, when it comes to searching visitors for tobacco, feels more like North Korea than north of the border. While the complete ban on smoking became necessary after the partial ban came to be unfeasible, we do have to think carefully about these policies that are implemented in relation to tobacco and smoking. On the one hand, we do have to understand that the dangers of passive smoking are real, and members of staff who work at these facilities should not be subject to the various chemicals present in cigarette smoke. However, the actual decision by the individual whether to smoke or not is ultimately theirs to make, and as much as possible should be done to allow people to exercise their freedom in this regard. It may well be that in the eyes of the law, a complete ban in certain circumstances can be construed as proportional within the context of the European Convention on Human Rights. But that does not mean that to implement such a ban is the right thing to do. Politicians may have the best of intentions when devising policies that will encourage people to stop smoking, but when that moves from nudging people towards a healthy lifestyle to a complete outright ban, then we ought to resist this. Smoking is a stupid decision and is undoubtedly bad for your health, but it is for individuals to make that stupid decision in the first place for themselves, 
and it's not for me or any politician to intervene when a person goes about making that free choice. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you did enjoy the podcast, also make sure to check out the website at uklawweekly.com and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. I look forward to speaking to you next week with another episode, but until then, bye!